that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast, which with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course the tote.co.uk all the way through the national hunt season. Um, we are staring into a little bit of an abyss of bad weather. Sub-zero temperatures look likely across uh, the UK and a bit of Ireland as well this weekend. So, you know, spending an hour or so of our time discussing these weekend races when most of the horses probably come out and uh, if, that's if racing is on. And then if it's on small fields, and it's going to be changeable. Fingers crossed we get proper racing. But I am very lucky to say Dermot Nolan is here. Hello, Dino. Do you know what, Dean? Unfortunately, we're just going to have to talk about Cheltenham a good bit, aren't we, unfortunately? Oh, imagine. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. It's not like, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll cope. We will it's cope. awful. Of yeah, course. Awful. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here, Dermot. Uh, returning, of course, is Kean Kirby. Kean, how are you? Very good, thanks, Dean. Hope you're well. Yeah, really good, really good. And uh, it's been a little while, but, you know, those um, regular readers of bookmakers.co.uk during the week with the daily racing tips will very much be aware of Simon. Uh, Fryboy is here. Fryboy, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, Hope you're all well. We're all good. We're all good. And it's good to have you on. It's good to get a proper form judge on, apart from all the wafflers that normally are on this podcast. So uh, no pressure on you there, of course, to talk us through. Um, Well... (laughs) What's gonna what the kind of national hunt season has done so far on this week's edition of the race hour? Uh, we're going to bring back the weekly review because there was some absolutely stellar racing over the past uh, weekend or so uh, across from Sandown, of course, and all of the great action at Fairy House. So we're going to pick up on some of them. Uh, there has been a bit of um, interesting stuff in the news demo. The Roman McNally case would take you longer than this podcast to read, I reckon. Amazing stuff, wasn't it, Dean? Um, mm. Really, really amazing stuff. And it's it's been hot take central out there now on on the horse racing world. And that, again, you know, we only take on the smaller guys. I'd imagine, unfortunately, when you make it as obvious as Ronan McNally did, he's probably a very good starting point. You know, it, it was... Um, he landed some touches and everything else, but it, it was very, very obvious what was happening with all class and the real deal and all these horses. You know, they were way, way below their marks. There was the, the switcheroo between trainers and everything else. It, it was just blatantly, blatantly obvious. Um, I just find it very lazy for some people to say, oh, but they never get the big lads. It's much harder in any walk of life to get the big lads. So this is a good starting point. It's a real hammer blow across the industry um, for anyone out there who's who's kind of doing this. But who's at this should be kind of looking over their their shoulders now but really horse racing this this could be a starting point and that's a phrase that I I'm sticking with here because as a starting point we need to just start treating this differently the handicap system needs to be looked at it's not being honestly you know the handicap system hasn't been honestly treated in years um but we clap some people on and then we uh, tut tut against other people. So, like you look at, mm. you know, Sir Mark, Sir Mark Prescott deserves his award during the week for his training feats this season. But how long have we all been laughing at horses that are two milers starting at five furlongs? You know, how long have we been laughing at JP McManus or um, all these other people involved in the industry? 
yes, they're they're a force for good. Yes, they're a force for jobs and everything else. But we can't just laugh it all off and say that, you know, what one person does isn't good enough and then what another person does is. So whilst I'm not on side of the whole thing that, you know, Ronan McNally is harshly treated because other people got away with it. That's not the way life works. You're either guilty or you're not. But I really do hope that the HRI and the BHA really start start taking this seriously. Or the other option is, is that maybe sometimes horses that win these maidens get treated a little bit better in handicaps so that winning a handicap winning a maiden is actually advantageous. Uh, we need to do something because the, the handicap system is rife to operations like this. But overall, Rowan McNally um, being caught red-handed like this is a good thing. And the other trainers involved as well. And I just hope, Dean, that it is the start of a force for good. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, is it not impossible, though, for a small yard with just a few horses trying to keep the lights on and pay the bills and do the best that they can for them to actually do that without landing a few, you know, without landing a few punts and, and, and doing things a little bit, you know, not underhand, but around the skirt and around the edges of the rules to make it count because you can't all be trainers with 200 horses in the boxes and, and massive oh, no fees course, coming but, in anyway. No course, Dean, but there's, there's, there's hundreds of trainers doing that. They're, they're not doing mm. it as blatantly obvious and as, it was kind of, I think Ronan got a bit greedy, really. Um, that's that's ah. that's the problem here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's 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 ample trainers, you can name any of them, that are built to land one or two touches a season and they're doing it 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and really, because of the way that it, it's being done, um, there is, there's the structures for that. What I'm saying is, is that Ronan McNally did it too much, too, too plentiful, and he got caught. Um, but I think overall, the sport really needs to, look at itself and if we do want to have a model of the best horses running in the best races against each other and not these 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 moments where horses are handicapped beyond anything catching them i think we do need to look at the system overall in horse racing and say that was the handicap structure is beautiful in its inception but unfortunately like most things in life um it doesn't account for this dishonesty yeah yeah fair enough i mean i was going to come to, to simon holden here fry boy right because part of your, you know, I've, I've seen you come up with reasons to find horses to back and they can stretch from all different things, from kind of size stats to course performance to recent runs, uh, times on the clock. But also part of the game, Simon, is um, is knowing when a trainer's gone for it. Absolutely. Um, I, you're stuck in between a rock and a hard place. I, I totally agree with what Derma was saying, but I, I think there'll be a lot of trainers out there be extremely worried. Because it's not a, an isolated case. Um, we've had we've had plenty of horses running against five, six to one on shots, stuffed out the back of the television and, and flying home. Um, it's it's not it's not just the, the small trainers. It's also some of the big trainers, um, and, and and the same with the jockeys. But you know, it happens national hunt and flat. You obviously had the case, the high profile case last season with the two John Gosden runners. Um, and Rob Havlin took the can yeah. for it and was was banned for for a while. Mm. Uh, I think that the the biggest thing that could help racing is is possibly uh, we shoot ourselves in the foot. And when these horses are costing so much to train and to keep, and then they're running for peanuts, it's almost yeah. um, encouraging people to do you know maybe not have the horse running straight or or hundred um, yeah. percent fit. And there's there's other ways of like you said with, with or Dermo said with the Prescott instance, um, 
the only thing is for that point of view, you can look at these horses. We all know what we're going to get. You all know the, the Prescott horses are going to be improved for the run, but it still doesn't stop them winning. There was one earlier this season, one at about 80 to mm. one first time out. Um, there's a difference to that to me. There was an inquest the, back at the yard that day. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's a different there's a there's a there's a difference to me to a horse that's bred for a mile and a half, two miles, running over five, six furlongs as a youngster than something out the back of the television clearly not yeah. put in a race and then all of a sudden the, the money's down and the, the horse seems to know that he's got to be near the front and yeah. we all know the rest. Well, we talked about whip rules on this podcast last week and I don't think that's going to address the issue at all because when the money is down, you can go and break them, keep the bets and uh, and not worry about you know losing that little piece of uh, silverware for the mantelpiece at some point. Of course, prize money is the thing. When prize money is so low, uh, you're going to get a bit of skullduggery and uh, think that's probably where the nub of the matter lies and continues to lie it certainly in 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 the uk's racing i think ireland not racing every day and concentrating their efforts into a better product overall is definitely a winning a winning picture but then we're talking about an irish trainer here so yeah it's a, it's a very tricky situation key in trying to work out who's on and who's off is all part of the betting game isn't it but it's um this is this is not a fun story yeah, that's just the name of the game, really, Dean, isn't it? Um, as you say, like the, the cost, um, the amount of cost to have a horse in training now, like the, the lower owner and, tra- and trainers are going to try and just make ends meet, so they will try and line a touch if they can. And the system is just there to be abused, really. Like we see it year in, year out. There is gambles that go on uh, on a daily basis, really, and that will continue to happen until the system's changed. Um, it's mad that some are celebrated and some are kind of like finger wagged. Yeah, That's, I mean, some of them say, some of them the say, I think there was one um, last week, 66 to 1 into 10 to train at 1, and the owner yeah. said they hadn't penned you down, like, you know, it's just, and then some of them will be celebrating, so it's, who do you believe, you know? Mm. Well, as Dermo said, a starting point for maybe improvement, but there's lots of things to fix, and they've got to go after uh, something they've started there. Um, you know, I did promise that we would go through some absolutely stellar racing uh, from the weekend. I'm going to do that now, because... You know, apart from what happened at Sandown, there was also some brilliant stuff at Fairy House, as you would expect for their um, for their massive kind of winter festival meeting, which has always got some of the very best horses. And it did not disappoint. I might kick off, though, at Sandown with that Tingle Creek performance. Simon, I'm going to come to you first. A horse I've always cribbed is um, Edward Stone. And not because I don't think he's a very good horse. He is. But um, because I always thought there was better out there and he was kind of like one level below the top end. Geez, he's come forward. I mean, this is this is like a sprinter going two mile chasing a monster of a horse. He's really, really admirable, admirable um, type. He, he won obviously very impressively. I and I don't want to crab the form because he can only do what he, what he did. Um, mm. I don't think the race for a Tingle Creek took that much winning this year. I think. Okay. I, I read in the papers that Nicky Henderson praised Shiskins jumping and said it was his jumping that kept him in the race. I think Shiskin's jumping was horrendous. He jumped mm. He jumped out to his left at nearly every single fence. Um, either something's ailing him or he wants to go almost the other way around. Um, when you've got, as, as good as he is, Dunvegan, who I, I think I was looking at the form book, I think, I think he was beaten seven lengths further by dropping the anchor in a hurdle race than he was in that race. So whilst Edward Stone did really well in winning... And showed a decent turn of foot, and you certainly couldn't crab him because of the, the manner he won. He has got a good record fresh, 
so he's a horse that comes to hand quite early and I, I genuinely don't think it was the, the greatest Tingle Creek I don't think um, Nergamine fans will be quaking in their boots just yet Sure, I think there's still a level isn't there between Nergamine, Shishkin at his best and what else is in behind but Edward Stone has come to the front of that pile Derma, and beat Gromatine, I mean Paul Nichols was all Kevin Keegan-ish before this race saying that you know, they had him more full for a horn dog cup. They had him absolutely spot on for a Tingle Creek. Uh, put right in his place. Yeah, it's just hard to know what Edward, Edward Stone, what his level is. Um, mm. I I keep doubting him and he keeps winning. Um, it's just hard to know whether he's that top, top class or whether he's, you know, a dodging bullets type horse maybe. Um, and, you know, dodging bullets, <laughs> they win their races too. So he's a they dream do. to own. But just as far as the overall champion hurdle picture goes, it, it's just, it, it's difficult to know just yet where exactly we are with it. Um, it's very hard to knock what he did, but the, the form is just hard there. And just with what a top class Shishkin, what an urge I mean, how close that, that he ran that horse. Um, and Shishkin does look finished now at the moment, really. Um, I think an urge I mean, is going to be unbelievably hard to stop him. Yeah, looks that way. I mean, look back to the Durham ball with Shishkin, Kian, because, um, I mean, they would have expected to win the race, I'm sure. If Shishkin was A1, uh, it, it should be winning that race. And to finish in third and not pull it up and not have anything really to blame other than that's how the horse ran, what did they do? Yeah, it was di- disappointing showing from Shishkin, in fairness. You have to think um, him beating an argument in Ascot last year basically broke his soul, really. He's done nothing. He's feel that way, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Simon said there, the horse has to go um, has to go left-handed to start with. Uh, they got him up, up, up him in trip. His jump, jumping was really poor as well. Um, so it's disappointing. It's hard, it's hard to see him coming back to, to how good he was. Um, Justin Edwardstone, yeah, you could, you could crab the form in a tingle creep, but at the end of the day, absolutely pissed up on nine lengths. Like, so. yeah. yeah. I mean, he'd wreck your head, Edwardstone. He looked bang average over hurdles, and then he would have said last season the novices weren't great, and he was winning, um, you know, an, an okay arc, and the two miles weren't great. And he just comes out and his first first run in open company and absolutely blitzes them. So yeah, you'd have to. He definitely has a, obviously has a chance in, in the champion chase. Is he is he good enough to lay it down to Nergamine? I don't think so. I think Nergamine's on a, on another level to um to Edward Stone. Mm, yeah, sure, and I mean that. I guess that remains to be seen. They've never obviously met each other and Edward Stone is an improver, but Anergamine's been there and got the T-shirt and and done it when it mattered. Um, Okay, let's let's talk about Fairy House because the the big performance there, well, the biggest race of the weekend, of course, would have been the Hatton's Grace. And um, I guess me and you need to talk about this first because Honeysuckle has been uh, dethroned. But I was listening to David Mullins on Festival Focus on bookmakers.com TV and he was very happy with Honeysuckle's run, considering what she's done in the past in that race and how she's performed this time round. And maybe she just she just blew up before the last. This is how it appeared to me. You hate to see her get beaten, but beaten she was. Yeah, Dean, look, it was really disappointing um, because the first year she won this race, but she was brilliant. But she, she probably won it just, they've been poor renewals, really. I remember Keith Dunne, who was writing for bookmakers at Coded UK the year that Ronald Pump nearly caught her. Um, and Brian Hayes on his bookmakers at Cottage UK article said that that night when Rachel was very disappointed, they sat down in their house. It's her, Patrick Mullins and um, Brian Hayes. They all they all live together. And um, when they went through the form, they kind of came to that conclusion as well that, you know, she she just she probably has never really peaked in that race, but she's never bumped into rivals maybe as who were as suited to the ground as Tiopu was. Uh, he's really stepped forward regardless of, of what else he does. That was a big step forward from him. And a classical dream who's just this enigma 
of a horse anyway. He's he's really hard to know what he's going to do day to day. Remember at, at Punchestown one year, he 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 looked like he was the he's a new Cato star, and then he vanished mm. off. You know, he's he's a supreme winner. He's a very strange horse. Um, as far as the whole being a small bit hopeful of taking on uh, Constitution Hill again. That's that's a pipe dream now again. You know, it's uh, she's gonna have to really step forward now to even even hope for any sort of a contest there. So he definitely has the champion hurdle on his own. But look, Dean, she's she's given this podcast one hell of a ride over the last few years mm-hmm. for most fancying her for mayor's novice hurdle. Her not making that, and then uh, her kicking on there afterwards. She's been absolutely brilliant. She owes nobody anything. And to be honest, I do still think. Um, just like Brian Hayes has said, just like David Mullen said, that the Irish champion hurdle, we will probably see the real honeysuckle that day. And um, I think you'd be a brave man to take her on there as well, Dean. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> What's interesting me, though, is that she's now eight to one, right? She's the only one who can probably come back to a level to give Constitution Hill a race, if anything can give Constitution yeah. Hill a race. And you'd imagine she's going to improve plenty. She's going to win at Christmas. Um yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I know you're writing her off in terms of a, a champion hurdle if Constitution is there. I, I get the sense you're writing her off, then. Not writing her off. My my point is is that at this juncture now, the, the Irish champion hurdle is the be-all and end-all as far as she goes. Um, You know, yeah. as in, as far as backing her, I'd prefer to be backing her at 6-1 to one off the back of a good performance there than 8-1 to one at the moment. Um, yeah, I hear that. I, hear like, that. I, yeah. I agree with everything you're saying. I think Stateman will have a ceiling to him that's that's beneath, beneath Constitution Hill, but if Constitution Hill hits one and Honeysuckle's ahead of him, you know, she could be an awful devil to pass. Like, uh, plenty of horses like Benny to do it, etc. All, all found out. So it's, um, it's definitely not a forlorn hope. It's not impossible, but it's definitely becoming improbable. Dude. Yeah, improbable. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm not willing to, I'm, I'm thinking she's going to come right back to her best before. March comes around and Dean, we'll man, get the tussle. You're a Spurs fan and I'm a Leeds fan, so Dean, look, we're not bad at believing. In fairness, we we've had to believe when there's <laughs> when there's nothing to believe in. <laughs> hey, look, it's World Cup time. Three lines. It's coming <laughs> home. Um, Key and Kirby. It should we be writing Harney Suckle off after that? Have you seen enough? I definitely wouldn't write her off. Um, I mean, she she travelled through the race the whole way, like the winner. Really, she just kind of blew up before the last. She checked out yeah. pretty quickly, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. She still showed that. Yeah, little she bit did. It wasn't like um, it wasn't like like Aplutard pulled up in the in the Betfair Chase, like mm. no interest. She, I presume, she went like heavy odds on favorite in running there. Um, again, like she probably be, you'd be talking about her for a champion hurdle, maybe if Constitution Hill wasn't in the market. Like, but I mean, obviously he looks exceptional. Henry's horses do this as well, don't they? They're just weird. Yeah. Like Manel Indo in the King George last year looked like he'd never seen a fence before. And then um, he just back. leaves him super short, I think, for certain races and thinks he get away with it. I, because Bob Ollinger right, blew like, up as well. Like, like Bob Ollinger. Yeah, Bob Ollinger did, did the same. And that probably yeah. went at Christmas time in a good race. Like. Yeah, because, you know, like you said that on Twitter, actually, Dean, that had Bob Ollinger just seen out that race that day, or he's probably he's probably a favorite for, for the, the stayers. He's favorite for the stayers, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you take the other horse out of the race. Same thing, if Holly like kicks on after the last, it's a completely different chat today yeah. so it is yeah. it's a penny for Henry's thoughts because his, his yard does go through peaks and troughs um, so it is interesting to see how, how all those three horses now come out because there's there's question marks over a good lot down there now you know yeah yeah I mean the race was won by Tiupu, um, and I think Gordon's thrown a fly into the 
into the soup by saying that they may go stairs hurdle with that one because obviously it's not a champion hurdler, which is interesting. I mean, it happens, Grace, isn't a two-mile trip. Um, uh, Keen, I'll stick with you. I mean, the front two that, that came through, they're not champion hurdle horses, are they? Yeah, definitely not. I mean, Tiopu was obviously fancy for, a, well, kind of an each way about it in the champion hurdle last year. Came dead last, then went to Pontchartrain Champion Hurdle again, dead last. So, They're going up in trip. Yeah, you'd have to think maybe two and a half miles in softer grounds is his optimum, uh, his optimum trip. Yeah, I couldn't see him going champion. Same with same with Classical Dream. Um, yeah. Front tree pulled a mile clear. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't put a line through Honeysuckle. I mean, if she comes back now and b- bounces back in the Irish Champion and um, puts in an impressive performance. Like you'd be saying, she's kind of she's back in contention to run a big race. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was disappointing to see her get beat, obviously, but I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't rule her out. Like she, even when she was winning a race, she wasn't like blown opposition away. There was always a there was always a chance like a lesser horse was going to going to challenge her, and now it's finally happened, and people are kind of ruling her out. But yeah, I think she could improve uh, leaps and bounds in that first run. I think if she bounces back in the champion hurdle, then she could be, you know, she could be back in the in the picture for Cheltenham. Like. I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Simon, a bit of race analysis here. I mean, she made the mid-race move to come through and pick them up. In the end, she's got arguably outstayed with a bit of fitness in mind. And just, I wouldn't be too disappointed. It's horrible seeing a great horse like that finally end an unbeaten run. But was it bad? It's, I think it's disappointing for racing more than anything else because obviously it's, she's, she almost looked unbeatable. And we've all, we've seen her in races maybe look as if she's maybe not traveling as well as she has done. She always seems to win. Um, yeah. I, I do think a, a more of an end to end gallop over two miles rather than what she got suits her better. Um, the other thing is, I think they're not machines. I know it's the, the old adage, but they aren't machines. And it just so happens that she's not had an off day or if she has had an off day. She's always seemed to win. So mm. I, I wouldn't crab her for, for one defeat. I think that the horse, Classical Dream obviously ran really well. The horse that I've heard very few people mention is Echoes in Rain. I couldn't believe how well she travelled. She travelled through the race unbelievably well. And I, I still don't think she was out of it when she came down. Uh, mm. if, she, if she comes out of the race okay, I think moving forward, she'll be the one I'd be really interested in in, uh, in some other races because I think she might have gone under the radar a bit. She, she went into the straight still tanking and, and she... Patrick still hadn't asked her a question when, when she did come down. I think she'd be the one to take out. She got one of those quiet rides, didn't she, with the with the understanding that probably Honeysuckle's clear at the last. Um, and that's that's not what happened. Okay, that's that's a fascinating way to look at it. Tiapu in your mind for um, you know, stairs hurdle maybe or that entry hurdle? Uh, if I was the owners, I'd be 100% agree with you. I'd be sending Bob Ollinger for the stairs. So... Yeah. I'd be surprised if they, they both went there. Um, that's true. I, yeah, I, both Rob Core. That's it. I, um, I don't think I kept going back to the Ballymore win and he wasn't stopping. I know there's a lot of people saying that they don't know whether he, he truly stays the, the trip and up the hill. I, I would definitely target um, Bob Ollinger for the stays if it was mine. Yeah, I think that's where they're going to end up going because it looks like a race over Christmas will be of that kind of trip. And um, and Bob Ollinger, a little bit like Honeysuckle, just stopped when the race was almost over. And they might have got a big win on the board there. And I think, as I was mentioned on Twitter, as Dermo said, that that horse would probably be favourite for the stairs right now, if that was the case. Um, okay, Simon, I'm going to stick with you because the Drimmore, one of my favourite races of every single National Hunt season because you've got so much potential lining up 
um, at a really proper track that Ferry House is, where you've got to stay, you've got to jump properly, you've got to be able to travel and hold a position. Uh, Mighty Potter won it this year round, and um, it was, was a super performance. I didn't actually see that coming from Mighty Potter. I know it has plenty of class and looks like um, looks like it, you know it's going to improve for offence, but it really has improved for offence. It was a super performance. Uh, um, yeah, unbelievable. I thought he, he did really well. I might I might be mistaken, but was this not the horse that Dermo was mad keen on last last season for most of the season? For, yeah, it, 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 for the Supreme. That's yeah, it. it was, yeah. yeah no. And so to credit due there, Dermo, he's, he has definitely improved for fence. My one slight niggle with him, there was definitely two fences um, down the far side. He, he seemed to sort of pitch on landing and you could see it, a bigger track, maybe Cheltenham or something, you know, one of those silly falls where they over, over jump and then okay. knuckle on landing. He did it twice. He did it once and then he didn't learn from it because he did it the very next fence as well. Um, and he, he does seem to get quite low at his fences, which is, I know you want a happy medium. You want him to get low because you're getting faster from A to B. But again, I, you'd want to see more experience, but you'd, you'd hope that the more races he runs in, the, the more experience he's getting. And as long as he learns from that, um, it was it looked a really hot race on paper and he, he turned it into a, a bit of a procession in the end. Yeah, uh, Demo, that race is always um, super hot on paper. I mean, the, the, the horse that's come second, also one of your horses from previous years gone by, uh, kind of like a one-two for your um, former brain, Demo. But like, Gaillard de Menil has been around the block in nationals and it was really masquerading in a novice chase there. So for Mighty Potter to beat that as a fully-fledged novice, I was impressed. Yeah, Gaillard de Menil is going to win the national hunt chase next season. Uh, or sorry, in in March because he's uh, he's he's just built for it. He's he's the quintessential national hunt chase horse now. Um the fact that he didn't win last season mesmerizes me with how many good races he ran, even in the mm. Brown Advice. And he continuing to do it now. Literally. And yeah. the ground the ground came right for my top Paul Townend gave Gayer Domaniel the perfect ride as well, smuggled him into it. Um and Mighty Potter made three or four mistakes when pecking on landing and he still had the engine to just keep going. Um Brian Hayes was saying uh, that JJ Slevin got off and said that Banbridge just hated the ground. Um, Brian Hayes was saying that Adamantly Chosen was actually running a massive race tree out and just went to, went dead in the floor. So Mighty Potter has form on all grounds. So he he definitely is, but his jumping needs to improve. He's going to bump into better horses over that trip. Um, but definitely, look, he's one he's one to take forward. He's a brilliant horse. And on another note, is um, as much as when we talk about Marine. National leader Michael O'Sullivan deserve loads of praise. Jack Kennedy is riding out of his absolute skin oh, at the moment. Uh, no matter what he touches, he is absolutely belting everything home. Uh, even even his losing rides are really good rides. And it's great to see for a 23-year-old, he's broken so many bones and everything else. Um, and it's just it's tremendous to see now that, that, that he's going so well. And um, I heard he was 23. I never looked that up, but he's very young and we forget that because he's around so long that uh, you know he's a mm. uh, thing but he's just he's a brilliant jockey and he's a man that's um, that is set to dominate for a very long time yeah as long as he stops breaking bones he just continues to break records so Gordon Elliott Yard as well absolutely on fire you mentioned town in there I mean that ride he I think he was on Fagira demo in the Portstown I thought that was a, a super ride too. Did everything perfectly. Just got beat by another Everything perfectly. On Jordan, Jordan, Game. Jordan Gameford gives yeah. punitive an absolute peach of a ride and catches exactly, him. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, sure, that's the way it goes. And that's what it's like in the, in the, the top class level 
And uh, yet you're, you're right to point it out. Keen, I'm going to ask you about the, the Drimmore just briefly, because obviously we've got a very good winner and the, the lads there have highlighted maybe a couple of jumping um, bits that need fixing. Um, Bambridge apparently didn't like the ground, um, but still, you know, that's the right horse, I guess, in third. It's the right horse in second. It's a good winner. Yeah, it was phenomenal performance from Mighty Potter. I was really impressed with him. I mean, if if you look at the, I think it was the second last and the third last, he pecked on landing and kind of s- slipped as well. And he just turns turns for home and he's absolutely laughing at a decent field. Like, disappointing to see um, Tree Stripe Life uh, make a bad mistake and check out. I mean, that would have been a good form yeah. gauge to see the two of them go at it because he's obviously a very right. high class horse as well. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very impressed with Mighty Potter. I think though the key to him is a right-handed track on soft ground. If you look back to Cheltenham last year, he ran in the Supreme, maybe not a two-miler, but he was just taking off his feet on the on the better ground in a in a in a quicker pace. So I'm not sure Cheltenham is his um is his optimum conditions. I think Gordon Elliott said he's on track to go to uh, Limerick Racecourse for the Grade One chase there with a showdown against um, Jerry Kalam. So that would be a brilliant race. So again, not like hard to price it up to two very exciting novices for um, Gordon Elliott. Absolutely. Um, I, I was going to move on to uh, Lossy Mouth in the in the Susanna Ritchie uh, colours that took the juvenile hurdle. Keen, I think we might see the Triumph hurdle winner. That was that was mighty smart. Can quicken a couple of times and look to have bundles left. Yeah, very very impressive performance and um, well supported as well. Had the right horses behind them with Zarek the Brave and uh, Comfort Zone. It was definitely the best uh, juvenile race in England Ireland this season. I mean, it deserves its place at the top of the market, but the only thing I would say about the Triumph is betting this this far out. I mean, I think last year we hadn't even seen Pied Piper or Vauban. Like, some of those horses don't run till, you know, kind of mid-February as well. Like, so I wouldn't be getting stuck. Sure, you might not see the way yeah, it's Adonis. Like exactly. exactly. Like, you might yeah. you might say he looks like a great favourite now, but you might see three or four horses in the next two, three months that look electric as well. So I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be getting stuck into him anti-post, but definitely he sets the standards so far, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Simon, I was going to ask you, if you saw that performance from Lossy Mouth in an Adonis a couple of weeks out before a Triumph Hurdle, it would be a short price. Absolutely. I think she's really, really good. Um, it, you mentioned the Triumph. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Triumph Hurdle winner come out of that race and the Boodles winner. Because, right, right. Um, it's such a good quality um, event, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the, the two that really took my eye away, it's, it's easy to, to look at Lossy Mouth and think you know, how good she was and how impressive she was. I really like the two runs of um, of two of the JP horses. I think Comfort Zone looks a real prospect. Reminds me very much of Brazil. Um, right. It's almost equal, um, equally high rated on the flat as each other. Uh, the worry would be the you know the handicap mark that eventually gets. And I, I quite like the the filly of his Risk Bell as well. I thought she travelled into the race quite nicely. She still looked green as grass. Um, and I watched the the win of a uh, French win, I think it was O Toy, and she's even that day she she sort of hung towards the stand side. I think she's a really good prospect going forward as well. Nice, nice. Okay, a couple of JP ones as well to pick out of that field. And yeah, you're going to get plenty of winners from here. Damn, I mean, you talked about Lossy Mouth before in here. I think because you've got that uh, ear into the into the Mullins camp, and they all they all liked her. Yeah, Brian Hayes was uh, he spoke about her in the first podcast saying that. Her work was brilliant. Um, she doesn't qualify for the mayor's novices hurdle because she, she was a winner in France. So if she does qualify for this, 
Um, so a, a three-year-old thing. And, and look, the market spoke before, and I mean, like she, she's seven to two now, but she was she was nine to one or so or something before, well before she'd even ran a race there. Um, so the 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 word was definitely out. But look, Danny Mullins kept her wide, kept it simple, and yeah, it was very impressive, really, really impressive. Yeah. Well, if we saw maybe the Triumph winner and the Boodles winner, perhaps on this card, we've got a horse that's probably favourite for the Turners. We've got obviously a Chapman Hurdle second favourite. I mean, the, the cards at Ferry House over the two days were very, very good. Marine Nationale. Uh, for Barry Connell, of course, there's always been a high-profile owner and had horses with some of the very best uh, trainers around, now doing it himself. And, uh, Dem, I was going to come to you first because you gave a, a shout-out to Michael O'Sullivan, of course, is a, is, a, is a jockey on the up. He gave that a perfect ride to go and win uh, the Royal Bond, and they'll be, uh, they'll be thinking of, of massive targets now with this horse. Massive. And, obviously, we'd Fasel Vega the day before, Dean, who, who was just exactly, perfect. Yeah. And then we jet powered the week before that as well, who again was just perfect. And then Marine National was kind of a different proposition to them too, and that was just kind of maybe the more finished article. Um, but just the as good as the horse was, hard to know the the actual level because Irish Point was really impressive, um, and was really impressive the time before. Was allowed to go off eighteen to one, so that that's head scratching. But that was a brilliant performance also. Um, so that race will work out very well. But to what effect? And which one of these mm. horses will go up and trip to, to maybe try and avoid a Fasal Vega will be interesting to see. Um, because Fasal Vega does look at two, two minor, will just hop around the place. But um, Michael O'Sullivan, what he did, I mean, Barry O'Connell deserves huge praise, first of all, for, for keeping him on board. It, it, it exactly. Been, it would have been very easy now to go off and get another senior jockey. Um, there would have been plenty that would love the ride. But the balls of steel to allow Paul Town and these other jockeys to, to kick on from him. And even when the mistake came at the last... He didn't, it wasn't an all-out panic he went on. He let the horse find its feet. I spoke about Mark Mark Walsh a few weeks ago um, on the uh, on the Cromwell horse. I know the way you're thinking. Let the horse figure himself out after the mistake and then kicked him on again. And that's exactly what Michael O'Sullivan did. You can see why he's already number one for Barry Connell. Uh, I think we're looking at something very, very good. He just, he screams to me like another lad coming through the point-to-point kind of scene and I know Jack Kennedy came straight from flapping, but just very similar to Jack Kennedy in that de- just arriving in with a claim and looking ready ready for the senior level already. It's uh, it's mm. great to see. And I think Barry O'Connell particularly didn't maybe get the shouts that he deserves. I think an owner standing by a young jockey like that deserves praise every time because it's uh, it's not something we see a whole lot of. Yeah, great one at the big show, uh, Marine National. Uh, coming through to win. Simon, did we see a Supreme winner there? I got the feeling that race was more of a, a national hunt style. I, I don't know the best way to put this. Grade one novice hurdle where sometimes you see a more flat, classy type horses go in that race. I don't think we had one in there. Yeah, I, I don't think he win the Supreme. But I, uh, having said that, I think he's a, a really, really useful horse. I don't think he had a right to win the race, to be fair. I think mm. it, it all went almost perfect to plan. And that mistake at the last Irish point wasn't stopping. Absolutely winged the last hurdle. And I think the horse has done extremely well to to get back up because not only did he lose momentum, Dermot rightly put it out. Uh, Michael O'Sullivan gave him a brilliant ride to, to not panic straight away. But even so, it, it was, you know, it would have stopped most horses from winning and he'd have been, you know, very honourable staying on second. I think he's, he is useful um, does he beat Fasal Vega and Jet Powered? Maybe not. No. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. 
Um, Kian, I appreciate I'm asking this question. Like, is this a horse for the Supreme Novices? But, you know, like Simon's just mentioned there, there is the likes of Authorized Speed or Jet Powered or Facile Vega. And we saw Facile Vega the day before winning a hat canter, as you would expect. Uh, but you can only go and win the grade ones if you've got an opportunity. And they did that. Yeah, I think this was a was a very good performance from Marine National. In fairness, I think after the race, they said um, they're going to go straight to Cheltenham. So, yeah, I mean, if you're back in the Manti Post, I wouldn't advise because it's probably going to be a bigger price in the day. Everyone will have forgotten who he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably be a double figure price. Um, yeah, I was I was really impressed. It was a uh, it, was, it was a very good race. I mean, like the good horses, even like uh, Hercule de Soy and Pat de Rowe, they couldn't go to Gallop. They're good horses. They couldn't go to Gallop. Like uh, you thought when Cham Coyley got got to the front, he was gonna he was gonna hack up, but he's just a bit too free. I wouldn't rule out him maybe on a bit of better ground and a faster pace. Um, Ashro Diamond was one of, one of graded grade two bumper at Aintree last year. Um, Irish Point, yeah, the drift on that was mental. I think it was six to one the night before. Went to off eighteens and ran a screamer. But um, can he beat Jet Powered or Facil Vega? Probably not. But he might be a price in the day, and he probably improved for better ground and a faster pace. But I think even like the attitude he showed when he missed the last, like if you look at all his runs, he's won all his races easily. Like to show that attitude in those conditions when he had no right to win was just very good. So yeah, I was really impressed with him. Yeah. Can be marked up definitely. I think as as Simon put it and as you've put it, you know, it would have been totally fine to finish an honourable second there to Irish Point, who was not stopping um at the back of the last. Okay. Um let's talk about a few other horses then that ran over the weekend. I'm sure someone has something to pick up. I actually went to Ferry House on uh, the Saturday and saw Fasil Vega in the flesh. It was just very obvious what happened there. And uh, nothing much to talk about. There'll be tougher tests in front of it, but it does look, you know, out of the, the kind of Sir Gerhard from the front, blow everything away. Uh, style, but that was only in the main hurdle. I was very happy for Paul Nolan to get a win with Joyo Mashin. I think that will pick up um, some nice prizes during the season. There's plenty more to come from that. Showed a really good attitude uh, to come through and pick up with a bit of speed as well. And I thought Iker Allen in the handicap hurdle on the Sunday um, off top weight. I think Willie Mullins was pretty um, downbeat about the chances in early discussions, uh, given that it would have to carry a big weight and. Uh, and face up with a few probably better handicapped horses. But I actually think this is quite nicely handicapped. Travelled lovely. Uh, definitely keep in mind when they go for a big pot somewhere else. They'd be three from me. Uh, Simon, you'd have watched it all across, across Sandown and Fairy House. What, did you, uh, what else did you pick out apart from, obviously, the big race winners we've talked about? Uh, I think a horse that might have gone under the radar and might be a bigger price than should be next time out, um, just because he got turned over odds on, was Iron Maximus. Yeah. The, the horse desperately... Uh, needs to go left-handed. He yep. ran once right-handed when he was trained by Nicky Henderson at Exeter, and he did exactly the same then over hurdles. He's jump, jumping out all the time. He must have lost so much ground, and for him to, to still be there, you know, not beaten far at the end, I think you can massively upgrade that horse. Um, and at Sandown, obviously, John Bond was extremely impressive, um, goes without saying. You, you won't see a four in a race of novices jump as well as all four did. They all jump like stags all the way around. But jump yeah, super quality, yeah. Unbelievable. I don't think one of them missed a beat, all the way, which Sandown's a jumping test. Uh, so that was a joy to watch. And I wouldn't write off the, the horse of Nicky Henderson's finished second behind authorised speed in the opener, Immortal, which is a great mm. big giant of a horse. We're bound to come on loads for that. Um, and that might be a horse going forward. I think Immortal's got a decent racing him yep completely agree with that and um, you're right as well about um iron maximus it was so obvious during the race that 
was probably going to get done by Manella Kruna, but only because of that. So it was like almost as if the jockey in second, I think it was, um, I think it was Jack for Gordon, was like, I'll just get to the last, let him jump out and go at length and a bit clear. And that was enough to cling on. Um, it was a fascinating race to watch. And, and you know, Manella Kruna's probably had everything go right and just get the better of a horse that's probably got a little bit more boot than that one. Um, Kian, anything else from the weekend that caught your eye you wanted to flag? Yeah, just to touch on that I am Maximus uh, race. The, the weight of money that came for him was was incredible. I couldn't believe how big a price Manila Kruna was. They'd obviously never seen it jump that yeah, way around before. I mean, as you say, um, when he go, when he goes jumping the next way around, he'll sh- he'll surely win. Yeah, just yeah. just a couple from I suppose a bit left field first at Haydock last Wednesday. Um, the Bradstocks had a horse who won a point the point by twenty five lengths called Mister Vango. He was backed in from 12 to 1 to 9 to 2 for Maiden Hurdle, which he won by a neck. Showed a really good attitude on rules uh, debut. He'll be one now for staying novice hurdles and for fences next season. He's an absolutely huge horse, so um, keep him in mind. And on the race after that, the Skeltons had Bally Griffin Cottage, who was who was very impressive um, over fences as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, also, um, Simon touching it there, Autorized Speed, um, the horse that finished second to him, Immortal, they're two really good horses. I mean, Autorized Speed nearly looks like a horse on heavy ground, the Novice Hurdle, he looks nearly unbeatable, like doesn't he? Um, mm. some, something like the Tallworth Hurdle looks, um, looks tailor-made yeah, for him. Imagine to get what he needs there. Yeah, and also one horse we haven't touched on that was, I think, nearly the performance of the weekend was um, the Grand Rat National winner, Noble Eats. I mean, that was yes, unbelievable. indeed. That turn of foot. Was I was going to get there. I've never seen anything like that, Kian, because they've obviously been going, you know, hammering tongs over three miles in a furlong um, around Aintree. And the ground was okay. It's good soft, maybe a bit soft in places and stuff. But once got pulled out into a bit of um, daylight, it's like Pegasus. See you later. Off he goes. And yeah, was, you wouldn't expect um, that from a Grand National horse. Unbelievable. I think he was giving a bit of, bit of weight away as well, Dean. Like, um, it looked like uh, Dashiell Drasher and Ahoy Senior were going to fight out the finish. And then just Noble Yates kicks into turbo and just leaves him for dead. I thought it was... Really good performance, and it's not it's not very often you'd speak about a Grand National winner in contention for a Gold Cup, but yeah, Jesus, he'd have a right chance in that race. Well, they're kind of going about it backwards, aren't they? I think David Mullins made the point. I think Ruby Ruby Walsh has made the point recently on uh, on TV that you know this this trainer Emmett Mullins does things in a slightly different way, and why wouldn't you go handicapping before you go a Gold Cup? And just because the Grand National is such a big race, it's still a handicap, you had to be in there if the right. Uh, the right mark at the right time to go and win it and you know to do what they've done with that horse and then go and and then go and land the many clouds of grade two and be in the gold cup picture fully for oh, all hats off to them demo you were talking about noble yates with brian hayes on the bookmakers.co.uk article and he flagged it as well he said yeah six six to one was the right price he he thought anyway a few weeks back for a gold cup i'm not sure Chelham's gonna suit him uh i think the way he kicked he kicked when he hit the flat spot um I thought that, that, mm. that, that, that he really flew home. Um, it was a really good performance, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm just wondering, was it more good in the eye than, than what the actual race was itself? I wonder if the race fell apart a bit. I, I think they're... Uh, You've got to do more than beat Dashiell Drasher by three and a bit length. Yeah, and you know... No, no doubt about that. Yeah, but the manner of it was impressive. Turds, turds a monkey as well. Um, so, no, all over the place. Yeah, so, so yeah, no, like really, really good performance. But yeah, still, still if a question before I'd be lumping in for Gold Cup. But the one Dean that I was I was really taken by was that Joyo Mashan as well. Because uh, Viva DeVito, yeah. who we obviously know that David Mullins nearly uh, nearly caused the whole market movement that night. Um, on, <laughs> yeah. On him and Joyo Mashan, I thought looked uncomfortable half half for half the race. I thought Viva Devito kicked. I thought he looked in serious trouble. 
and they kicked home. And that was Paul Nolan's only a second winner since June. Uh, Sander, right, okay. Sandor Clegane had got him a winner the uh, the week before, the first one since June. So it's um, serious, a serious performance there as well. Dude. Yeah, the good horses are winning from the Nolan Yards. Just the rest of them are not quite up to uh, up to par at the moment. Yeah, Joey Machan, I actually think they don't think they went quick enough um, for him in the early part of the race, and he wanted to go a little bit further on his head and just couldn't couldn't get there. So when the pace did quicken up, Joey, we, we, we saw the machine come out, and uh, I, I think that's a really nice horse going forward. Uh, my final point before we take a break here on the race, I, of course, brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk and the tote.co.uk. Uh, was to to Simon about Noble Yates because you like a long range Gold Cup poke. Simon is Noble Yates in the picture. I I, I almost could could mirror everything Dermo said. Um, mm. the, I don't know what's gone wrong with a, a horse in your head. He, again, he, he travels far too free, he, and he was tanking going down to second last. And you think he's going to win by off the track? And he, I would worry that. He didn't finish the race off. Dashiell Drasher probably got softened up trying to think that Hoytenor was the one to beat. And obviously, Noble Yates pulled away. I think the Gold Cup pitcher's as open as it could possibly be. So, no, mm. I, I wouldn't rule him out. Um, yeah, but he's not getting you excited for not, the Gold Cup. No, I'm not, get, I'm not getting all jiggy with him, no. <laughs> no, I can tell that. I can tell that. That's fine. We're going to see, perhaps, Gallop in the Champs, of course, um, well, very soon this weekend if the, if the Durkin goes ahead uh, fingers crossed it will um, alright we're going to take a break here on the race hour when we come back um, a flyby over the Cheltenham uh, picture of course with Fryboy Kean and Demo and myself and uh, we'll do that after this You're listening to the race hour proudly brought to you in association with the Tote Check out the tote this jump season and find out what you've been missing. Hello and welcome back to the race hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course the tote.co.uk. If you're looking out for tote corner, well, Jamie Benson is going to join Demo and myself on Friday once we know where the racing is on properly this weekend. And we are going to try and uh, take them down with their 250k guaranteed play spot. But is it at Cheltenham or is it elsewhere? Or do we have to wait a week? We will find out, of course, on Friday. You can catch us, uh, myself and Demo and Jamie, then. But for now, on the pod, I have got, of course, Fryboy and Kean Kirby and Dermot. And we're going to have a quick kind of anti-post flyover for Cheltenham um, in lieu of the weekend racing. Uh, Dermo, you're going to surprise us now and give us your current best lucky 15 for the Cheltenham Festival. I'm interested to see what's in this. Yeah, so obviously this is usually the part of the podcast where we focus on the betting and the tote. But unfortunately this week we just, it's so up in the air, Dean, that um, we say we'd offer up something different at the end here. Yeah, so this this is a lucky 15 or a fourfold that would pay 32,486 to one. So it's a small. That sounds like a certainty. Yeah, an absolute certainty. Yeah, I'm already counting the money. I've told Sean and my wife now to to plan now what, what we'll buy with it. Um, nice. So first of all, I went for I kind of went for one from each category, really. So first okay. of all, the novice hurdler I like the most so far this season is I know the way you're thinking. I've gone on about this horse already. Don't need to go on too much more. Um, has been yep. has won twice against two very well back William Mullins horses, and has looked awkward in in doing so, but improving each time. Laden, absolutely laden with ability, and Gavin Cromwell just has that giddy look about him. Um and and by giddy, 
I mean stony face not actually saying anything which I kind of <laughs> like uh, Esport yeah. well you talked about this for the Supreme but we're not going Supreme with no this, no Ballymore Ballymore right? at yeah. um, at 20 to 1 uh, definitely stay away from Fasal Vega for as long yeah. as possible then for the brown advisory novices um, Chase this horse was shorter is kind of coming out now with the 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 slew of other good performances here but Jerry Cologne was a horse that I loved for the Albert Barter last season I absolutely adored what this horse did first time out over fences thought he was brilliant the only fear I'd have is that they could go for the four miler but I don't think they will I think he's too good for that um, so, yeah, they fancy themselves there I yeah, think they're probably yeah right I think there, so yeah. too so a 12 to 1 or so for the yep. stairs hurdle I think this race is wide open I know just like Honeysuckle um, Flooring Porter hasn't ran great in that race before but I just thought this year I did not like that performance at all uh, so Blazing Cal at 6 to 1 he'll only be ready for the Dublin Racing Festival he'll go straight to Cheltenham then there afterwards but Charles Burns he's, he's not bad at getting a horse ready like that so I think uh, mm-hmm. Blazing Cal is more than good enough and then finally Dean we're talking about a massively open Gold Cup picture. I think as novices, you would have traded 10 Noble Yates for one Statler. Um, so I am definitely very happy, until he won the Grand National, obviously. Uh, but the, mm. I am very happy to be backing Statler at 16 slash 20 to 1 or so. Um, I think Statler is the, the exact type of a horse who goes unnoticed in a Gold Cup market. Um and he's a horse who'll who'll steadily get there. I think Gayer Domainil could could pop up and win a John Durkin. I'm still not convincing him as a stayer. I think Statter's the type of horse who will get tougher and tougher as that season goes on. So Jerry Colomb, I know the way you're thinking, Blazing Cal and Statler Dean, and that is a uh, thirty two thousand four hundred and eighty six to one. And can you believe that was my first anti post bet that I properly struck? And it's uh it's a thirty two grand lucky fifteen, Dean. So hopefully I won't be talking to you after um after March. God, let's hope. Let's hope that's the case. I, I'd be no. Um, I, I honestly don't believe that is the only proper anti boast bet you've struck uh, for Cheltenham this season. But uh, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah. You said it on air, yeah. so we'll, we'll take it. Okay. I know the way you're thinking in the Valley more. Jerry Colom in the RSA or the Brown Advisory, uh, Blazing Cal in the Stairs and Statler in the Gold Cup. Okay, that's a full few, full circles turned on you there. I might try and throw one into the mix here. Uh, I'm going to go to Fryboy because he usually has something at this time of the season that not many other people have found ahead of the Cheltenham Festival. Um, and we're a few months out, Simon, so it's going to be value. Yeah, I, I'm interested in three. Um, one's a lot more obvious than, than the other ones. One's a bit left field. So the, the left field one, I really like a, a horse that was due to run this weekend in the Albert Bartlett um, trial of Nigel Twiston Davis's called We've All Been Caught. Yep. Giant of a horse. He's almost a perfect specimen of a, of a future chaser. He, he stayed on well in a race behind Hermes Allen, where he was flying at the finish. So he, he clearly handles Cheltenham. That was over two mile five. All the horses are going to do is stay. He will improve for a fence. But I think it's a massive price for the Albert Bartlett um, hurdle. And if Cheltenham had been on this weekend, I'd have expected it. Or if it is, I expect him to win and then the, the, the price be cut accordingly. Of the other two, I'm a huge fan of Jet Powered. I was blown away. I, I know he's got to beat um, Fasil Vega, but yeah. I was so impressed. And Nicky Henderson's done it year after year in the Supreme. Keeps coming out with these horses, um, and I think it's gonna. It'll take a, a real good one. It could already. It could be another um, potential one of the races of the festival if the two meet. 
And I'm really giving me Min, Min versus Altior vibes there, where everyone already had anointed Willie Mullins' horse, but Nicky had something a little bit special that people weren't certain was special yet. Yeah, the, the, the Skelton team, I think they're all over their horse, it's at blue, and it yeah. just destroyed them without coming, you know, any, remotely off the bridle. I think Jet Powered's very, very good. And the Irish horses, I'm really looking forward to seeing Kilcrut over a fence. Of course. Yeah. And uh, I don't know where they would aim it at, possibly the Turners, maybe. Um, but I think wherever he goes, I'll be, I'll be following him and then probably on to, on to Cheltenham Festival. But I, I really like Kilcrut. Okay. Okay, Kilcrut still to land the blow. Um, uh, Dean, for, just, well, just on. Yeah. Uncle Crutt, uh, Brian Hay schools him at home, uh, loves him altogether. And one first time out over fences, but it, it was a nutting affair at all. Um, but uh, Kilcrutt is definitely one to keep a note of. Uh, Kilcrutt and James de Burley were the two kind of dark horse uh, chasers that uh, Brian Hayes said were, were schooling quite brilliantly at home. This won't be the year that James Belay just turns up in a champion hurdle for the crack. Like, no, 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 he'll actually warm up. Yeah. <laughs> he'll actually have a go. Okay, uh, that's well, that's that's heartwarming words and about Kilcrut as well. Um, interesting. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Kian, over to you. Um, give us some value right now for the Cheltenham Festival that intrigues you. Yeah, I'll just I'll just run through a few there, Dean. Uh, I was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and I put up appreciated for the article at tens. Now he's entered this weekend at uh, Punchestown on the John Durkin card. I mean, if he comes out and win, well, racing might go ahead, but if he comes out and wins his beginner's chase, he's instantly in into five to one. I mean, yeah. f- fair oh, enough. Absolutely. You can't you can't knock John Bond for what he's done so far, but I mean, five to four anti-post is is pretty short about him. I just think would appreciate it. He's you know he won the Supreme by half the track. He went off seven to two for a champion hurdle. They always thought of him as a chaser. You know, just it's it's just seems like too big a price, really. There's a lot of there's a lot of scope to shorten for me on that one. Um, sticking to the novice chasers, then I also think um, Sir Gerhard. I know it's pretty obvious now, but Sir Gerhard at six to one for the um, the two and a half miler. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, scope to shorten on that one as well. I mean, he's six to one. I mean, we know he's a better horse than Three Stripe Life. He's been to Cheltenham twice. Uh, he's he's won impressively twice. If he takes to a fence and he he runs well, uh, wins his beginner's chases, he's going to be like sub two to one for that. So I think yeah. six to one's a decent bet. Uh, also, we touched on Bob Ollinger earlier on the um, the podcast. I think sixteen to one about him for these stairs is a huge price. If if you think second it, yeah, completely agree if, that, that. If if you like. Yeah, obviously, a lucky winner at Cheltenham last year were fences. Fences were never really his thing. Like, was one of the most impressive Ballymore winners you'll ever see. If he comes on for like, if you take that, was it a wave by the sea to beat him the last day? If you take him out of that race, you know, like the the Bramhead camper jumping for joy, and he'd nearly be favourite yeah, for the he'd be favourite for the race. I don't think it was that bad. I think of a he run. would be favourite. Yeah, think he, he would, would be favourite. Yeah, yeah, he is he the class would. angle in that race. Like, Florian Porter is good, but he is. He is beatable, like, and it's not. I know Dermot put up Blazing Cal. He probably lacks experience, and he's a bit short. And why he's achieved as well. I just think with Bob Ollinger, he is the class angle in the race. And if he can come out and win a Christmas, like you're talking about, that'll go from 16s into six to one. So I think that's that's a good bet as well. 
And the last one now, I'm probably going to be laughed at for putting this up, but I'm going to put up. Um... <laughs> last time, Keen, you were on this podcast and we laughed at you my seven. True. Two for gold. Two, Two for, for gold. gold yeah. <laughs> we laughed you out of the house. And we were yeah, I'm, we I'm going to put up Brave Man's game for the Gold Cup at 25. Yay. Yeah. No, I won't laugh at you for that. I, I think I think he's he's super. And if he wins the King George, it, he has to that, go. That's that's the the thing. Six to four for King George on the day. is one of, like If that stays on the day, it's an unbelievable price. It's a shocking King George. Like. Yeah, but the thing is, like, he's such a short price for the King George. If he wins that, like, he's pro- more than likely going to win that race. And then if he has he wins, to go for the Gold Cup. Then he has yeah. to go for the Gold Cup. And if he goes for the Gold Cup, he has to be a single-figure price in the day. So you're well, getting 20 It's 25s. not like he didn't handle Chelham that day either. It's just he bumped into yeah, a Bob Ollinger who was just off his, like, off his yeah, game. He didn't, yeah. He, he's, not, like, he's probably not a two-and-a-half miler anyway, but, like... Do you know, if he can get into a jumping rhythm out in front, like he's yeah. 25 to 1's a massive, like, I don't see how he can be 5 to 4 for King George and 25s for a gold cup. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Just seems to be under the assumption that Paul Nichols won't go. Yeah, but, but if they win the King if George, they win the King George, George has to go. Has to go for but, that race. But they were running last year. It was just Paul Nichols threw a strop about the ground. Like, there was exactly. only on the morning. Was, he was if it hadn't for the, rained overnight. Yeah, he, was, he was favored for the Brown Advisory until Nichols pulled him out, but just a massive race, I think. Yeah, no, that's. If it hadn't very... rained overnight, lads. Brave Man's game with a one oh, beat RSA or the yeah. Brown Advisory. Yeah. And we've been talking about horses, probably sevens now, because that's where Lom Presse is. Um, oh, yeah. Dean, pronunciation. Good man. That was good. Do you see that? Yeah, Do you see that? that? I learned really that from good. Don last yeah, week. Yeah, very good. I learned that from Don last week. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, Kian, no, no one's laughing at you with that. I think I think that's that's very valid. Very valid indeed. Okay, so we've got a well, we've got an absolute whopper there from Fry Boy, along with you know, one to take on Fasil Vega with, and of course, uh, I would call him the sleeping giant that is Kilcrute. We got a lucky 15 from Dermo, of course. Um, and then Kean's come in with, with the game changer, with Brave Man's game. Do you know what? I, I While I was listening to you all there, I've put together a lucky 15 that I haven't had on, but I'm going to put it on after the basis of this. Class. Um, so Dermo, Brian Hayes always talks about Impervious and how good um, that mare is for Cole Murphy. She just and missed out on my lucky 15, yeah. He, he, he adores her, like, adores her. So she's going to go mare's chase, right? You can absolutely nail that one to the roof, I think. That one to the floor, I should say. Oh, you can nail it to the roof, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, so uh, Impervious, 14 to 1 for the mare's chase, right? Um, Brave Man's game, 25 to 1 for the Gold Cup. is going to win the King George and will be single-figure odds. And Paul Nichols will not shirk the challenge. They will have a go. Right, so I'm going to put Brave Man's game in there. Bob Ollinger, I completely agree with Kean as well about the Stairs Hurdle uh, claims for that one. When it does come out and win, I think it's in the Jack de Bromhead race over Christmas, looks likely. So um, Bob Ollinger will be going into the mix with me, and that's at 16 to 1. And then the one horse that we didn't mention this weekend who ran well, we did mention the winner, of course, that was John Bond, but Boot Hill ran an absolute stormer at Sandown. I do think that's absolutely made for Grand Annual um, if they hold it together. I think Harry Fry would be targeting that one at the Grand Annual. Uh, around 10, 12 to 1, something like that. I, I like that a lot. You need a little bit of luck to go your way. Yeah. But that's, so that's Dean, where I'd land. As always, Dean, if you have a good chat them, I have a bad one. Fantastic. <laughs> usually the way. <laughs> it's usually the way. And then, and then we try and find Fryboy on course and go. Yeah, you, yeah. We'll watch the cross country with Fryboy and then we'll watch the mayor's, the mayor's hurdle with Steve Ryder and we'll, we'll do it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll both crib about how everything went wrong. Um, yeah. Do you know what? There's, there's such a thing as a tote swinger demo. And I meant to remind you of this the other day when you were about to do your forecast bets. Cause I know you love a forecast, but in a tote swinger, you only need to get two out of the first three. You'd be winning all the time instead oh, of always. Oh, I'm so you. sick of these forecasts. Did you see what did my forecast on the entry last weekend? Oh my god! Did yeah. 
yeah. 50 to one shot. I did uh, Benson and walking on air. I, I couldn't believe it. Absolutely couldn't believe it. I know. And I laughed at you again for putting up another forecast on, on the pod. And, yeah. uh, and, the and nailing swingers it. The definitely something yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. We all, so we're, we going, we're going to get this right. Podcast, going so it's all good. <laughs> ah, no. Ah, no. Okay. Okay. Look, fingers crossed there is racing on this weekend. And myself and Dermo will catch up with Jamie Benson from the Tote on Friday uh, to talk about what's going on. Fingers crossed there is some proper action. Um, either in Ireland or in the UK. But sub-zero temperatures is going to make that tough. You have been listening to the Race Hour podcast with myself, Dean Ryan, Keen Kirby, Simon Holden, of course, Fryboy. Check him out every day on bookmakers.co.uk and Derma Nolan. Uh, but we're done for this for this episode. We will be back on Friday for another, and then we'll be back next week uh, to catch up with everything that's going on. Thanks very much, chaps. Cheers. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.